All right, we're live. We're live. It says it's we're live. live. It's still like doing the loading the page thing. So sure. let's see if it's actually in fact live. Um, I'm alive. Are you alive? I'm. I am alive. Ooh. Exactly. Okay, we are live. I can Do see it on the Facebooks. On, on the books of faces. Yes. Happy Saturday, Steve. Happy Saturday, EJ. Um, how is your most recent week in, in, in the apocalypse that we're living in? <laughs> and welcome everybody. Since you're welcome everybody. Yeah. I, I, you know, these last couple of weeks have really put a point on what I think 2020 is trying to remind all of us, or at least is trying to remind me that most of the things that I thought were important before and most of the things that I thought it was important for me to be thinking about day in and day out are not the things I should be thinking about day in and day out and are not the important things. Yeah. So, you know, sure, it's all the stuff you can't get away from. It's kids, you know, it's the last week of school at Chicago Public Schools, um, which is fantastic i can't wait to be done is that is that going smoothly is this last week you know just killing it oh my word uh <laughs> you know teachers thank you so much for everything you do when the kids are there i know the remote learning is hard for everybody trying to adjust lesson plans all of those things but you know, uh, at one point my kids were like, these Zoom lessons are ridiculous. I'm not going to them like, or they sit on them and it's clear they're not getting anything out of it. And um, so it's been a lot of us trying to learn how to be teachers and failing. I'm not a teacher. I will never be a teacher, clearly. Um, we have proven that thing, but what a year for the kids. I mean, imagine what this year was like for a kid in school in Chicago public schools, almost, you know, at any age where they're actually doing topical stuff. And, you know, from the teacher strike and all the amazing action that went into that and, and how does that fit into the, their world and how are they impacted and what does that mean for their teachers? Wasn't that teacher strike like a decade ago? I, I know, <laughs> right? It was... It was insane that that was just, you know, just part of this, this school year, you know, and then COVID and, and now, you know, now everything that's happening in the country with a, a bit of an awakening and, uh, and the, the uproar and, and anger around George Floyd and, you know, sort of things coming to a head around that. Um, I think, you know, really for the kids, I'm, I'm proud of my kids for sort of not being too dysregulated by it and you know seemingly taking some good lessons from from things as we went you know maybe maybe not maybe they they're recognizing what they need to say to me but um but wow uh, what a school year that's coming to a close of course we've got a few days added on to the end of the school year because of the teacher strike uh, right so but grades were due yesterday so come on <laughs> Exactly. I don't, I don't know how you show movies on Zoom for the last three days of school. <laughs> right, you do like a like the Netflix hangout thing or whatever. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I don't know, guys. We're going to watch, uh, yeah, we're going to watch Disney movies for the last few days. So, right. 
but outside of that, um, I mean, I think the kids have learned some things the last couple of weeks. I know I, I certainly have learned a Is lot. Is that noise being, are you hearing this outside it's, in the world? I, you know, it's just, it just shows how close you are to the streets. And that's okay. fine. It was just okay. a one zoomer by, but that's, okay. you know, for me, it's, it's been the last couple of weeks have been, uh, I've been glad to not, not have too much going on because I've uh, got to spend a lot, spend a lot of time learning and unlearning, I would say. So what yeah. about you guys? What about you guys? Oh, let's see. Uh, pretty much the same. Uh, Melissa's uh, healing well from her surgery. Um, that's that's the big thing. Uh, our, our, we've, we've, you know, on the subject, you're talking about your kids. Um, our kitten, um, we realized that our kitten seems to be a little skittish when other people are sort of nearby, which is weird. For like, because usually our like our other cats have been very well socialized. Uh, the kitten doesn't normally see human beings other than us, and so that might possibly be a factor here. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, we're, we're hanging in there. Um, we're drinking beer, so that's good. Uh, our most recent beer delivery, we got uh, a fine selection of things from Off Color. This is the Town Musicians, which is their Maybach, and it is excellent. Oh, all right. I saw the the black and white can, so I knew from whence it came. Yeah, and you know, I have to say, I think Off Color may be my favorite brewery. Like, well, I don't know about favorite brewery, but like the selection of beers they have, like, it's all universally stuff I like. Um, like even things that I, they'll say like dry hopped or whatever, like it actually really works nicely. I don't find it to be too bitter. Um, and it's a real good selection of stuff. So it's been good. What are you drinking? So let's talk about, the, oh, what am I drinking? Well, yeah. uh, you know, Come we'll on. get to that. This Priorities, is a, sir. a, a Cruz Blanca uh, Palm okay. Shade. So Cruz Blanca, local brewery. Uh, I first had them a couple of weeks ago and it was another kind of tropical, you know, IPA, something a little lighter, um, something just lighter in flavor, and it was delicious. And now I've just been kind of picking them up as I as I see them at places. Yeah. So I actually did a run uh, today, another neighborhood run where I got beer for several people in the neighborhood uh, from local breweries. So I you know, swung through uh, Alarmus and Spiteful and um, on down to uh empirical so had a good good selection there and then i had to stop at a store to get some other beers that that couldn't quite make it to the brewery today so okay. and here's here's something i saw which you know and we'll talk about this a little bit more i think when we we touch on covid but there were people outside at spiteful drinking a beer yeah this is what i was i was about to ask you have you you know what? We'll talk about what phase we're in and all that sort of stuff, yeah. and we can get into that a little bit more. But it was something. I'm not sure how I felt about it. Definitely have two minds. But, yeah, it's it's. But it's I also so, wanted to sit yeah. at that table and drink that beer. So. Oh yeah. All right. So uh, that's that's the the world for us and for beer. So let's talk about uh, all of what's been going on now the last couple of yeah. weeks and. So yeah, so uh, the biggest thing obviously uh, is, okay, not obviously because there's so many things going on. So <laughs> let's start with the George Floyd protests and so we haven't talked about that at all. 
Um, and so for those of you who pay literally no attention to anything on the news at all, um, you know, George Floyd was uh, murdered by a uh, Minneapolis police officer uh, who uh, had his knee on his 46. neck. What's that? Eight minutes and 46 seconds, man. Had his knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, the Minneapolis coroner said there was no evidence of asphyxiation uh, and then alluded to the possibility that maybe there were drugs in his system, but didn't really indicate that there were. Uh, an independent coroner report indicated that the, the basically the pressure of the knee on his neck is what killed him. Duh. Um, and, you know, it wasn't some pre-existing condition or whatever. So um so that's the facts of what happened uh and then obviously we've had protests nationwide uh we've had them here in chicago of course um and you know minneapolis seattle many different places but you know we'll kind of talk a little bit about that but before we get into that little disclaimer here is that uh we're not the people who should be talking who should be uh, listening to about this um there are much better voices out there uh yeah and i think you know, the fact that we started this by talking for five minutes about, you know, essentially sitting in our houses and drinking beer and dealing with cats and kids um, really highlights for me how isolated we are from the reality that uh, so many people in this country have mm -hmm. and, you know, why, look, it, what happened what happened to george floyd is absolutely atrocious it should never have happened and shouldn't happen to anybody um it's also not the first time it's happened you know it, it's not the first time it's happened this summer you know or this year you know and i and i think there were several people that i know that were surprised by the anger and how quickly the protests sprang up and when I when I kind of stood back and said like, well, why are people surprised about that? Am I surprised about it? Am I, you know? And I I, I again started to hear people differently, um, and I think, you know, to some extent, you shouldn't listen to us. We're not the the right people to speak for the experiences of others, um, but I think you know. And as we 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 talk about this more, you know, it's important for people to for everybody to, to speak up and, and elevate other voices and, and try to, to elevate those other experiences. Because, you know, what, what we're seeing, you know, through the police and through other, uh, other places is cultural, right? It's not just, it's not the actions of a few people, it's cultural. So that means everybody in society, everybody in a community has to make sure that they're, yeah. And, and they have to make sure that, that they're, they're voicing that it's not okay that none of those things are okay. So I don't know, I, I've been listening to things like Code Switch um, on, on NPR and in It's Bit a Minute, those are both podcasts from NPR. So, you know, it's still a good safe space for uh, beer drinking white people. Um, but, <laughs> but also, you know, very, very well done. Um, again, helping me question my own things and, and figure out what I can do. The 1619 podcast from New York Times, it's like a six part series really good um about race from renee edo lodge uh super super good stuff there um again especially from an educational standpoint you know because i think for me a lot of as i said the last few weeks has been you know 
education. What can I do? Who can I listen to? How have I been listening wrong? Um, how can I amplify other voices? Uh, yeah, that's. Yeah, you know. yeah and it, I, I've noticed. Um, you know, I think back to as we were sort of going into the election cycle, and um, that I was, I was putting a real priority on on where I could talking about race and elevating voices that were talking about race. And I realized that it's something I got distracted from along the way in the course of the election, in the course of, you know, a pandemic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that I've kind of taken it as a, you know, what's gone with George Floyd, like a reminder that, no, no, this is, this is still a problem. And, you know, that, and, and, and I think there's a fair argument to made that it is the underlying problem of so many of the issues that we have in this country. Um, yeah. But, uh, so that said, um, you know, there's been, I don't know where you want to start on this at this point. Yeah. Is there, you know, you can start so many places and I think, you know, hopefully people who listen to us, you know, the, all, the fives of you well, are also <laughs> listening to better people about, you know, in-depth understanding of, you know, things that have happened and specific things that have happened and how that sets context. So, um, you know, we don't need to go into things like the Tulsa race massacre, right? We, we don't need to go into, into all of those things, but I think that they're all important. Um, I think for me, you know, what I'd like to talk about is you know, sort of one of my observations is that things have kind of moved out of just being about, you know, police violence and it, you know, we're seeing a lot of demands from the protesters, which, by the way, seem to be working. Um, but it feels more like a movement around democracy and, yeah. you know, real democratization of some of these institutions that have been uh, walled off for one reason or another. Um, for sure. And, and that's been really interesting. And I think that's also why it's spread so quickly to other countries. Um, you know, seeing protests in the UK, in Norway, in Sweden, in Germany, um, you know, that's, that's amazing. And in the UK, they're ripping down statues everywhere, right? Like in Bristol, uh, there was a statue to uh, a guy who was a philanthropist, but also a slave trader. And they just, they ripped him down, threw him in the water. Um, I, and you, you just see that in terms of the, the, the quickness that it caught on, right? Like yeah. clearly there's something different. Clearly it's not just about police brutality in the US. It's about yeah. systemic racism. It's about, you know, all of the all of the context, all of the things that our current society has been built upon that people don't like to think or don't like to remember was built upon racism. Was built upon the exploitation of others for no other oh, reason yeah. than the color yeah. of their skin. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, but maybe we can talk a little bit about some of those demands. Um, like, and, and the one that, uh, again, I see a lot in my Facebook feed, people talking about or trying to talk about or not talking about is the defund police. Yes. Um, defund or abolish. I've seen both. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting because the, the variety of conversations I've had around that, um, you know, I've had conversations with people like, you know, well, we really need police, so why are we even talking about this? 
um, you know, and, you know, okay, they need to be reformed. And, and fundamentally, I think there was actually a, a great New York Times piece by uh, uh, Mariama, Mariami Kaba, and I almost certainly butchered that name. I shared it on our Facebook page here. Um, so please take a look at it. Um, and her point, I think, really covers as well is um, talking about reforms and that have been done along the way and how those have somewhat undermined what they're ultimately intended to support. Um, you know, and basically the, the quote I had pulled away from that, the philosophy undergirding these reforms is that more rules will mean less violence, but police officers break rules all the time. And what we found is that there was a really good Planet Money podcast about this, talking about the power of police unions. And essentially what it boils down to is that as cities have been trying to keep budgets tight and they go into these contract negotiations with the police. And so rather than, um, uh, rather than paying police more, they proceed to offer these protections for them. That then, you know, and so, you know, we see all these situations where somebody is murdered by a, a police officer and they don't receive any punishment or they have a paid leave. All of those things have been negotiated over the course of time by all of these cities. And so when we talk about reform versus abolition, the, it's hard to fix all of that without saying we're just going to start from scratch and rethink about what is policing, what is public safety, how do we do this in a way that's, you know, a little more, that's it, really getting meeting the goals of what we're supposed to be doing in terms of protecting everybody. Right. Yeah. And when you start to look at some of those things in the contracts, you really scratch your head, you know, it's. It's things like, well, well, you know, you're not allowed to interview a police officer about the events of a, a shooting until 24 hours later, after they've had time to talk to their union appointed rep. And by the right. way, if there are other police involved, they all get to get to, they get to get together and have a conversation before they're officially interviewed. Right. And if they lie about it, and this is a great one, Matt Martin brought this up last week and I didn't know, I didn't know this one and it was like again a you know mind blown kind of thing there is a rule that says you know you shouldn't lie during these interviews and that's a bad thing to lie about what happened if you do lie and they catch you in that lie you can revise your statement and not get punished that's built <laughs> into the police the the, the chicago police Jesus contract Christ. You and know, and like, like, yeah, and, aren't you supposed to be the best? Like, you're supposed to be upholding the best of, yeah. of who we are, right? Like, it's it, where's the lead by example? And and look, it, fair enough. The police have been and consistently are asked to do things that they're not trained to do. Absolutely, they, and uh, and and, and catch-all. Yeah, and I think you know when I think about doing abolishing the police in in that way. Part of it is actually, I think, an improvement for the police themselves, because now we're going to say, all right, what are the roles that we actually need? We need people to do mental health crisis interventions. Yeah. We need, you know, people to be in the communities helping to just deal with things at the community level rather than, you know, showing up with guns to deal with, you know, violent crimes or whatever. And so, like, we basically have police trained with a narrow set of skills and then being asked to do infinitely more than that which right which i find interesting is the parallel to what teachers are made to do is kind of interesting in terms of like 
the way our cities run these days. But um, I, I, I did see a tweet that said something like, you know, how about we, instead of overfunding the police, why don't we overfund the teachers and ask the cops to show up in homemade riot with homemade riot shields and you right. know, batons made out of newspapers, per right? personal because, protection equipment. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, it, yeah, it, you know, and like I, I'm, I'm, I do have, um, I don't, I won't, not gonna say I have a lot of friends who are police, but like I've at least, you know, connected with a couple people on Facebook, and have seen like some of their struggles, um, you know, in terms of like getting good mental health support, and you know, and you know, we talk about the George Floyd protest being, you know, made to work 15-hour days, and it's like if we really meaningfully rebooted the system and addressed a lot of these things, it would make their work lives better. It's it doesn't like when we say abolish police, it it sounds very harsh because it is, but in the end I think it's better for everybody. Yeah. And I, there is some precedent, right? So Trenton, New Jersey did this eight years ago. So essentially they said we're gonna start from scratch. They made everybody reapply for their jobs. Um, and there's been some good reporting on it, you know, about what's happened since then, but essentially all of the outcomes seem to be better, right? Yeah. The, the closure rate on murder cases has gone way up. The number of incidents of, you know, uh, abuse of power or excessive use of force complaints has dropped by like 96%. I mean, yeah. those are very positive things. And it's, it's partially because you can't, sometimes you just can't reform something. You have to start you have to start from scratch. Um, yeah. And who, um, you know, who knows the answer to that, you know, department by department, right? Because you get big departments held up, you know, they're not the same as your, you know, the five person police department in a- Right. Yeah, know, because basically in, in those city. places, in those places, they already have community policing because it's, you know, a couple of people who live in the, that, that place. And so it's a yeah. very different feel than, you know, and one of the things I, I, I gather was a big issue in Minneapolis was that, you know, a lot of the police live outside the community and they're basically like sort of almost like an invading force in some ways. Um, but, you know, when we talk about abolishing the police, um, there's been progress on this in Minneapolis. Um, the, while the mayor was resistant to it, the city council, as I gather, voted unanimously to do this. Um, and that was abolish the police department. Um, now, of course, that doesn't mean you know, tomorrow the police don't exist anymore. But what it does is sets up a, a process. So it's supposed to play out over the next year where they're going to get community input and they're going to start planning out what yeah. is policing and, and what is, and I and I, I keep saying policing, but I think public safety is probably the yeah. more correct term that we should be using. And I'm yeah. sure somebody else has got a better term than that, but. <laughs> well, and it was amazing how quickly they acted um, and there were like protests outside of the, the mayor's house and they, you know, demanded him answer yes or no. Will you defund the police? And he's like, well, I think we kind of need police. And of course they, they strangely told him to go home, which I thought was weird. He's like, but, but I'm here. Um, and then the next day there was a rally where I think seven of the 13 or eight, eight of the 13 city council members were there and they committed to taking action to defund the police. And notably, that was like a veto-proof majority, right? So, yeah. you know, um, imagine a city with only 13 city council people. 
crazy. That might that? give them actual power. Wow, that'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think you know Minneapolis took some very swift action. Um, I think we'll talk about some of the other cities and states what they've done. Um, again, showing that the protests are working. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think before we get into cities, we, we I think we need to talk about what are corporations and celebrities doing because I know that's always top of mind in these situations. I mean, uh, of, of course it is. Of course it is. I, I, actually, let me ask first, and I know this is going to be a different order than our outline. Go, go for it, sir. Ha, have you seen the Dave Chappelle special that dropped in the last I have couple not. days? I have not. It is. It's worthwhile watching. Okay. Uh, as he says in the first six minutes, sorry, spoilers. This yeah. is not funny. Um, but it, it's worth watching. Uh, Dave Chappelle. That actually intrigues me more that it isn't. Funny. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that I, I think he has said and continues to say some things that are questionable about women and uh, the LGBTQ community. Um, uh, but he's also very, very knowledgeable about about race. And he's uh, he's thought a lot about and pretty, uh, has got some, some really good insight, I think, about um, context for everything. So it's it's worthwhile watching, but he starts it to say, why why the hell does anybody care what their favorite comedian says yeah. about about this? Um, so, I, you know, I, I, it's kind of worth watching. It's definitely worth watching. Um, everybody's socially distant, which is nice. Outdoor, outdoor place. So, of course, I was worried about that. Everybody got yep. a mask. Um, but beyond Dave Chappelle, uh, NASCAR, NASCAR reacting, saying yeah. that they're no longer going to allow the Confederate flag at any of their events. Which, I got to be honest, I didn't know it was that big a deal at the events. I mean, I guess I, I didn't know it was. I mean, I, I mean, I let's just put it this way: I didn't know that they still had that there, but I'm not surprised they did, and I'm glad that they've decided to get rid of it. You know, now that we're a good solid century plus past when the South lost that war. <laughs> yeah, and I I guess a driver from the NASCAR truck series uh, quit over this. And I, you know... Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was roasted so hard that I think he just quit social media, which is perfect. That's exactly... Was this the one where, like, NASCAR had to, like, said, like, we had to so, Google who you even were? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was like a 50 year old guy, never won a race, you know. Right. Um, and the best headline the I saw from that ass. was like, yeah, you know, driver, NASCAR driver Cicerelli, I think is his last name. And the only reason I remember that last name is that I grew up watching hockey and there's a hockey player, Dino Cicerelli, uh, who, so that name always sticks with me for that reason. But okay. he, you know, they said, you know, driver Cicerelli quits with the same number of victories as the Confederacy. So well done. <laughs> I think I think that was from Deadspin. So that was a yeah, really on point, really on point headline. Um, yeah, and, and you know we in the cities and states. I think we can talk a little bit about that as well. But um, other companies, NFL, uh, the NFL came out. Uh, the NFL. Yeah, I've been playing uh, Modern Warfare. The 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 the. the first person shooter and they actually have like a black lives matter thing that they've been showing 
you know. So like everybody seems to be getting on board with this. Um, and if you look at like opinion polls, there's been a really strong push to, you know, reform the police in some fashion, um, you know, things like that. But, but yeah. It, it is astounding how positive the polls have been uh, for the protest. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to take back astounding and just say it is incredibly heartening. Yeah. Right. To see there are protests in all 50 states yeah. and in you know 30 some odd countries around the world that the opinion polls are overwhelmingly positive, even after the violence and the looting, like nobody bought or, or many people didn't buy into this idea that everybody was bad, that everybody's in. Yeah, Antifa. I feel like there was enough you know, like, access to like on the ground information and, you know, people understood that, that for the most part, people were being peaceful, um, that there were some people who were looking to cause trouble. They had their own agendas, um, you know, and, it, you know, left or right, whatever you, whether you think it was Proud Boys or Antifa, like, you know, it was it was pretty clear that that was a separate thing from what was going on with the protests themselves. Yeah. What continues to go on? And I think that that's the other thing. There are protests today. There are protests in Minneapolis. Yeah. There are protests in Chicago. There are protests in D.C. I mean, yeah. And I think like that the uh, that the protests are ongoing has actually helped in terms of reinforcing that they're peaceful because the people who are trying to cause trouble have already been arrested. <laughs> and so. Yeah. You know, so like a lot of, so what's been ongoing has been the peaceful protests that were the core of this in the first place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one celebrity I want to talk about, again, uh, yes, segueing from the NFL, and I know it's jumping around a bit, but yeah. is Drew Brees, who I know whenever Drew Brees opens his mouth, I'm really going to dislike what he has to say, and he's You're not right going to realize it. Yeah, and he's <laughs> not going to realize it. I mean... I mean, you know, Drew Brees went on this, you know, he always sounds very reasonable. And then he says things that you're just like, wait, wait a minute, man. He's like, well, I'll just never appreciate when somebody protests the flag or, you know, and look at all the things we did for the people after Katrina. And like, I'm, I'm a pretty great guy, I think. I'm Drew Brees. Don't take that vaccine. You know, like it just, it just all came together into a, oof. and he even had to walk it back. And that, that tells you something. When Drew Brees the next day is like, actually, <laughs> everybody, too far. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, Drew, I like hanging out with the President Brees. If it gets through his probably, you know, concussed skull that he has to change his messaging. And yes. that, that to me is important. It's not, I don't care what they say, but I care that they're recognizing that somebody who is paying attention to the winds of change is telling them what to do. That's like almost more indicative, you know, like, oh, don't worry about it, it's gonna go away, don't have to say anything. They're like, no, you have to say something. Yeah. Even, you know, when, when NFL corporate comes in, it's like, maybe we should have let Ka Kaepernick protest and, and been good with that. Um, you know, I feel like if the NFL wall. really wanted to like mend some fences and all that, they would go out and they would say, "All right, Kaepernick, pick your team. <laughs> like, come on in. Like, let's stop screwing around with this. You know, take a knee if you wish. That's fine. You know, and it's going to be interesting to see if like if protests continue. We'll see what happens once the NFL season starts. You know, do we see a resurgence of people taking a knee? 
Um, you know, and as I talk about the NFL and all that, so of course I'm, I'm the Broncos fan here. So, uh, the very confusing shirt. Yeah. Isn't it? I love it. Chicago Broncos. Anyhow, uh, the, uh, head coach of the Broncos, Vic Fangio, uh, who is an old white dude, uh, if you're not familiar. And odds are. And and the take that he had was pretty much the old white dude take, which was uh, he didn't see racism in the NFL. And so he ended up, of course, having to walk that back and, and you know, say that he had talked to players, da, da, da. And it's like, you know, part of me is very frustrated and upset with him, but part of me also is, I think there is something to be said for old white guy saying the wrong thing and being corrected rather than him not saying anything. Hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that like part yeah. of the problem is, is that there's this, you know, the things that we say when we're in public, what we say on a podcast, what we say in front of a TV show, whatever. And then we have our conversations that happen in the background where we're in our safe space and we say whatever the heck we want, you know? And so, I think having the conversations, doing the hard work of, you know, making mistakes and being called out on mistakes, I think is probably healthy in the long run. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the minute, the minute, you know, old white coach says something you like, you know, like, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> no. I mean, look, the guy's name is Vic, V-I-C, Fangio, right? Yes. Like, you know exactly that. I mean, that guy is... I, I mean, if somebody just told me to draw Vic Fangio, he'd be wearing a Panama hat, some kind of print shirt, you know, socks and sandals. I, I think that would, yeah, I, I I don't think that would be out of character for him. Yeah, just, hmm. So what about other, you know, cities, states, reactions, you know, reactions to things? And I think maybe let's, add, let's talk about other cities and states first, and then we can talk about Illinois and and Chicago specifically. Um, San Francisco uh, came out and said, look, we are no longer going to send police for non-criminal calls. Yeah. I, it's, it's very simple. Well, you know, and so going back to the notion of, you know, rebooting or, you know, and abolishing and reforming, not reforming, uh, defunding, is that let's, let's, have different people do different jobs rather than all being the place. Right. And so, all right, police aren't, they don't make sense there. Let's not call them in. Yeah, I, I think that that's, again, a very something very quick, very clear that they could do, a nice bright line. Um, yeah. You know, again, hopefully that leads to more things, but, you know, just sort of immediacy. Um, LA uh, cut the budget by like a hundred million or something like that and redirected to uh, more, you know, mental health, public safety, outreach, those kinds of things. Um, they did that very quickly. Boston declared essentially racism as a health crisis and rerouted funding away from the police. Like all, all very good, very fast, positive yeah. things. Um, we've seen a lot of, and that's on the, the sort of policing side, um, sort of on the general racism side. Uh, you know, the, the discussions about um, 
as I'm talking about this, my camera has decided I need I'm, to be even whiter <laughs> EJ than has I normally am. The whitest man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's not wrong. The <laughs> there were votes in legislatures. So so Nathan Bedford Forrest. Are you familiar with that name? The name is familiar, but I don't know off the top of my head. He was a Confederate general. Yes. Not a very good one. And after the war, he went on to start a small organization called the KKK. Huh. huh. Um, he has a statue in the Tennessee. That's State. why I know his name. Okay, yeah. Right. And there was a vote this week where they decided to keep it. So in Tennessee, there used to be a Nathan Bedford Forrest Day in Tennessee. The governor, Bill Lee, said like, nope, we're going to get rid of that. Hey, that's a small step there, buddy, but okay, we'll take it. Um, but the legislature's like, yeah, we're going to keep the statue, um, which just blows me away. Um, and then you, so, so you've seen a lot of these kind of votes uh, and a lot of this kind of action happening um, around the country, you know, if it's Virginia, you know, taking down memorials, statues to Robert E. Lee, those kinds of things. What I loved is in, Vir I think it was in Virginia, the, the steps, they, people took down the statue and threw it in the water that there's like, it's like by like a, like a little like water feature or whatever. And they threw it in the water. And apparently on Google maps, they moved where the statue is to be on the water. <laughs> so that certainly happened in Bristol, Bristol in the UK, where they did that too. I don't. I don't. Oh, okay, is that good, what it is? Okay, technique. okay. I thought. All yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. It's a good technique. Either way, yes. I'm all for it. I am here <laughs> for throwing those statues in the water. Yes. Um. So clearly, there's still some work to be done. Uh, there was talk of trying to replace the uh, the Nathan Bedford Forest statue with a Dolly Parton Long statue. name. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, that's been interesting, right? Like, yeah. and, and not interesting in a good way always, but, you know, universal recognition that maybe things should change. Now, not everybody's getting it right. I'm not getting it right. The, uh, the legislature in Tennessee clearly not getting it right, but yeah. yeah. So what about Illinois? What's yes. going on here? Well, yeah. So to so start like, you know, what was your sort of experience of like what was going on with the protests? I was curious. You, tell tell, tell me, white man in your bunker, how was the yeah. protest? <laughs> well, from my bunker, it was, uh, you know, I've got to say, I, I admittedly, there were times, you know, I was I was following very closely uh, and I saw somebody else post this like, who'd have thought that my quarantine new hobby would be listening to police scanners? Um, but it certainly was, right? Like, oh, I was like, don't ever, in. you know what? Police scanners are like the comments section. You d just don't, just don't, <laughs> don't listen. Don't, don't read it. It's never going to go well. No, it's never going to go well. Um, you know, I, 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 of course had some thoughts that were like, oh my God, the COVID, right? Like this is, uh, everybody's, you know, we've got all these people together. Um, I knew a lot of people who were out at the protests. I, I did not go out to to the big ones that were downtown. Um, uh, for you know, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make an excuse of of pandemic, but um, that's the that's the excuse I gave myself. So didn't didn't go down to those. I you know the violence clearly instigated from the police was was unacceptable. I think the 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 breaking of windows, the vandalization, the the sort of clear looting also unacceptable. Um, in my neighborhood, you know. Four cars drove up, parked in a parking lot, walked across, you know, 10 dudes walked across the street, smashed the window of a T-Mobile store, went in, took all the phones, broke all the registers open, took all the money. Yeah, like, yeah, like a lot of this was the police are distracted. So let's go steal some shit while they're distracted. It had literally nothing to do with any kind of political message, any of that. Exactly. And, uh, you know, as far as I could tell, the vast majority of the damage was done to companies who can afford it. So, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm, yeah. I was never worried for my safety. I wasn't worried for the city's safety. I was worried for other people's safety who would be confused with the people who were doing stupid shit. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I know a couple of people who had some some things happen to them at the hands of the police, and that's not that's not good. Yeah. Um, what about you? Yeah, I mean, similarly, we, we were staying in our bunker. Um, uh, Melissa has pretty bad asthma, and so we've been, like, pretty aggressive in not going up into the world during, uh, you know, with the COVID going on. Um, the only thing I did that was sort of out in the world then was um, there was a bunch of protests in Uptown, and the protest ended up uh, going down past just like a couple blocks from where I live. And so I went out and, you know, just sort of check that out as it went by, but keeping a, a safe distance while I was doing yeah. it. Um, so that was pretty much it. A lot of my experience of it though, was like seeing people freaking out, like, and you know, it was, you know, people I care about who were, you know, had real concerns about what was going on and were afraid that, and, and, and they were afraid not of the protesters, uh, or Antifa, um, they were afraid of the Proud Boys. They were afraid of white supremacists, people trying to cause trouble, um, and going in and trying to burn things down. And and that was their concern. And following things on, um, following the police scanner, and 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 in the end, like it all felt like I felt like the the worry about it all just made it a lot worse like the reality of it was that things were pretty safe you know like and i like think about like my neighbor like things were safe here for all of that like there was some smashed windows at the heartland alliance over on uh ravenswood and i didn't know like why that uh and it turns out they were one of the places that were housing uh immigrant children who had been taken from their families and that whole oh. and there was some controversy around like they were hosting them and then there was some controversy around some abuse that happened like it's like ah, oh, that was a targeted political act totally makes sense um there was like a pet store that has windows smashed no idea what that was about like but that was it around sort of yeah. my immediate area um yeah. yeah we ended up going to a protest last weekend in uh, lincoln square um, that was really great. Uh, just, just real quick, um, Katie uh, noted on her Facebook, the Atlanta police chief resigned this afternoon. Uh, 
less than 24 hours after the police killing of Richard Brooks. So, oh, there's things, that. Maybe things are changing. Maybe they maybe are. Maybe things are changing. We had to. Hit, I mean, <laughs> we had to hit rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you have to, right? Yeah. Um, and we all know the mayor of Atlanta is has been amazing. And we're going to talk about her, um, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Uh, we're going to talk about her in a little bit, I think. Um, she's been amazing through this whole thing. Um, a lot of good things happen in Georgia, which is hardly ever something you say. Uh, but yeah, right now, a lot of good things happen in Georgia. I, You know, we went to a protest in Lincoln Square. It was amazing. Uh, Katie and I were both crying. To be honest, we were like, we were, of course, you know, mobile bunker. We were in our car. Um, and they planned it to have both sort of a, you know, a, a parade of vehicles. You know, you could stay in your car. Um, there were also people lying in the streets. It was it was really uh, it was really amazing. Yeah. Um, and then we uh, there was a protest march that went from Horner Park up to the police station on Pulaski and Wilson, which is uh, close to us, 17th precinct. Yeah. Um, and we handed out water there, and and Katie joined that protest, and, and that was youth led. Actually, it was great. Um, and, and like my one fear is that the protests stop because I don't want them to stop. Right? I, I just, I don't want them to yeah. stop. And, and now, especially that they've settled down, you know, we don't have that reactionary, that reactionary attitude from the police and the raising the bridges, you know, trapping people places or in New York where they had, you know, police on either side of the Manhattan Bridge. Um, you know, like now that there seems to be an understanding, um, there seems to be, you know, just the core of the people who care about the right issues. Um, I don't want those protests to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, I, I didn't go out and protest and it's like, I'm, I wish I could like both me and, and my wife were very much like, we want to be out there right now. And we're very frustrated that we didn't feel like we could do it safely. Um, you know, and, you know, I think it's worth saying that, you know, a lot of people who were out there who were taking risks doing it both for COVID and for, you know, whatever the police did. And so, yeah. you know, our, our privilege there. But so, you know, but I, think I hope the they continue. Level, I, if, you know, I hope, yeah. you know, things change. Yeah, I think at the state level, we haven't heard a lot of, you know, interesting stuff other than, you know, there's talk of licensing police now. Huh. And you kind of look yeah. at it and like, what do you mean you don't have I to? don't know what the hell that means. I, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I mean, like, this gets back to what I started with uh, earlier is, oh, we've got, oh, new rules. Great. I'm sure that'll fix yeah. everything. So I guess that gets into, like, you know, how has Lightfoot handled all of this? Um, and, you know, I... I, I will say what started with, like, the first thing I think she really screwed up was the way that things were handled the first real big night of the protest yeah. where she, uh, they, she raised the bridges and tr kind of trapped people downtown. Um, and what's extra awesome is, so during all that, um, Chicago Freedom School, which is located down there, opened their doors to say, hey, people come here if you don't have a good way to get home at this point 
and we'll make sure that you're safe and that you've got some food and you're taken care of. The city of Chicago has cited them for serving food. Like they were like they like whatever the licensure is, like they, they shouldn't have been doing it. Like you've got to be fucking kidding. Um, and I can't believe this out because it's all live. So there you go, everybody. There you uh, go. So that's kind of where it started. You know, it was like a lot of like last minute announcements like, oh, curfew going into effect now in 20 minutes. Good luck. Um, the CTA is going to be shutting down in 20 minutes. Good luck. Uh, how was that yeah. helpful? Yeah, it uh, it felt very scattered. And of course, we, you know, we're not in other cities, so I don't know what the response was like, you know, how cohesive the response was in places like New York, uh, although New York had their share of driving trucks through protesters, um, or DC or LA, you know, I think Lightfoot clearly struggled with yeah. with those first few days. And I think a lot of people were hurt because of it. Um, I think a lot of people lost faith in her because of it. Um, yeah, because I mean, I've been generally pretty positive on Lightfoot, but like the way that was, this has been handled, like I, I'm reminded of the of the people that I knew who were like, Lightfoot was, you know, she's in too close with the police and that's going to be a problem. And now I'm like, mm, maybe they had a point. I mean, clearly the police weren't worried about getting in trouble since they decided to break into a congressperson's office now, to be the... fair, it was already broken into, I guess, but then they decided to, you know, take guard advantage it. and guard, guard it. Uh, yeah, so they spent something like five hours just like, you know, hanging out, lying on their couches, eating their popcorn. Yeah, so um, this is Bobby Rush's office Yeah, on the south side, like 4,400 yeah. south, something like that, or 4,500 yeah. south. Yeah, so like there's actively like businesses being broken into you know various amounts of chaos going on around them and 13 is a mixture of officers and supervisors you know are just hanging out there now eating eating popcorn like yeah so like there at one point there's a dude asleep yeah he's like asleep there like i it just like blows yeah, my mind so like that's theft that's trespassing i mean like how I mean, I know how they don't get criminally prosecuted for this in the long run is police unions, but which we've covered. Um, but it's just disgusting. Um, yeah. You know, and it, yeah. and it kind of like proves the point of people are saying abolish the police of like, oh, well, you know, what will happen if we don't have police? Uh, well, we didn't have police then. Yeah, we had police. They were eating popcorn. Yeah. That was their drinking some coffee. Like, ooh, a Keurig. Yeah. The, and, you know, Lightfoot, to her credit, had said, like, she's going to find out who those people are. They're going to lose their, their, she's going to take every action They're gonna she They're going to go through the extended take. long process where yeah. they will get a, a reprimand and be They'll only the get paid time. for another, yeah, six years. Then, uh, similarly, but, if, but hey, if we just police who covered them. their body cams, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the people who, look, I think the licensing of police is, Somebody pointed out the absurdity of, you know, the number of hours it takes to be licensed as a beautician in the state of Illinois is right. longer than you spend at the police academy. Right. So it's 
It's Which fair. I have a friend who's starting that shortly, so it's extra hilarious to me right now. But uh, the beautician part, yeah, hmm. um, yeah, it's a year-long process. Like, how long is the police academy? I, I don't Not know. Not year-long, I'm guessing. I mean, the first uh, so, movie was like 85 minutes. The second movie was a little long. Yeah. I, I haven't I, seen director's cut. To be fair, I would trust a police officer to cut my my hair. So there you go. <laughs> it's only because you're white. The 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 other two <laughs> pieces of legislation, you know, I, I want to toss this out. So if you live in the city of Chicago, you know, there's been a there's been a push for police reform for a while. Um, there are two pieces of legislation that are currently working their way through the city council. Uh, one is called GAPA. Uh, the other one is called, and I'm shaking my head, CPAC. Yeah, <sighs> I'm familiar with CPAC, even though I, yeah, I always cringe at the name. But because so right. if you're not familiar, there's the Conservative Polit Political Action Conference, which is like imagine the right wing distilled down to its shittiest elements and then them put being put in a room without any masks that's CPAC. yeah Whew. i mean but not CPAC. this cpac this cpac is probably uh, not chicago right. what is it uh chicago police action accountability i mean accountability committee yeah something like that yeah and it's essentially both of them have the aim of putting in a a, a group of people who are responsible for oversight of the police in different ways. Yeah. Um, and I'm being a little vague there because there are lots of differences in what they can do and who the people are. Um, CPAC has a very strong grassroots yeah, uh, marketing around it. Uh, it was sponsored, I think, by 13 aldermen. Um, GAPA, you don't hear nearly as much about. It was sponsored by like 28 aldermen. Um, yeah. If you but, I mean, look through, I, I would I would suggest anybody, you've got some time on your hands, go out. We can I'll, I can link to them. It's it's you should read these ordinances, right? Because they are. Um, they are this nexus of movement and also Chicago politics sort of at its best and worst. Yeah. So like, if you look at CPAC, it's a very short ordinance. Um, it's, it's honestly pretty vague in some details, but they talk about things like it's going to be an elected, uh, it's going to be an elected group, you know? Okay. It's an elected group. Um, that elected group, it's going to be an election that doesn't happen at the same time as any other elections. And the requirements to be on CPAC are very specific. Like you can't, you know, be, you know, affiliated with the police or the prosecutor's office, nor can your immediate family, extended family. So like, like I think actually, Steve, you would not be eligible because your father was in the military. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting. Um, GAPA is like a commission. Which so I'm sort of evidence that that rule may not actually make that much sense. But yes. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm trying not to, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to be neutral on it. Um, although I, it, it feels a little, it doesn't feel fully baked, if I'm honest. Um, uh, the GAPA side is like still, you know, you, it's, a, it's their commissioners and the commissioners are appointed by the mayor but 
they come from a pool of people that yeah. are nominated from this other group. And you look at that and you're like, that seems super bureaucratic. And I've, I've read them both and like, I, CPAC I understood and said, ooh, there are some gaps here and I'm not sure yeah. I like all this. GAPA, I was like, I'm not sure I understand all this because it's a lot of references to subsections yeah. and it was, it was clearly written or, by people who write laws. Yeah, or we could just, you know, abolish it and start over again. I'm, and and that might be better. It, that that and and certainly the things like like that, you know, a CPAC kind of thing could be part of whatever is rebooted. Um but yeah. I, I think you know civilian accountability um and I think that's what the C is, but um civilian accountability police accountability really yeah. committee um sure. Um but yes, I think part of any reboot, and I like that maybe because because defund the police is eh, needs some marketing to it. You know, it's too easily spun by the right. You know, maybe reboot the police is a better idea. I mean, I'm a I'm a nerd, so you know, yeah. <laughs> I think you all get that. Terms, but yeah, control alt delete that shit. So that's right. Um. Hashtag Do you want to talk about C Seattle at all? And and uh, speaking yeah. of the right, well, so one thing I want to get to first is the pallets full of bricks thing. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that was going on during the protest was there was a lot of people talking about uh, and sharing photos of these pallets of bricks, and that and the theory yeah. being that there was some organization, some entity that was putting these bricks out where protesters could get to them to like encourage people to be violent. And it was all the rage to be sharing this. And, and so far, there's zero evidence that there's any kind of conspiracy, any kind of plan to put pallets of bricks. Except for, you know, who's behind the pallet of brick conspiracy is people doing construction with bricks. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. So tuck pointing, I mean, clearly, yeah. clearly the culprit here. Uh, if somebody asked me who's putting bricks out, I'm like, well, it's clearly the Glass Fitters Union 216 and you know the bricklayers you like if anybody's going to put them out there it's going to be right we don't want violence we just want more business for the but yes, yes. Like, and the thing that go ahead go ahead yeah like and i want to bring it up because i'm like it's one of those things that's like a peculiarity of the way we're connected now is that yeah. i guarantee what happened was somebody saw a pallet of bricks near a protest was like took a photo of it was like look at this somebody's setting us up and then now everybody suddenly sees every single pallet of bricks anywhere in any city as part of a conspiracy and they start taking photos of it and they share it and now suddenly it's a whole thing even though it's not a whole thing yeah well and they all see it as part of their conspiracy oh yeah so i saw the same picture shared by two different people on my facebook feed exactly the same right with completely different conclusions one is antifa one is proud boys right exactly yeah and the 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 person who shared it sort of from i would say the right side of the spectrum uh, politically right not correct um you know it said like <laughs> the incorrect side of the spectrum like see there's this african-american who's saying somebody left these bricks out for us to throw them you see what's going on here this is and in my response to that i in my head, obviously, was, you know, you can hear 10,000 
people of color say they're being discriminated against and not believe them. But one guy says, these bricks were left out for me to throw. And all of a sudden, completely plausible. Right. Never believed a black president, but will will share and and voice up a you know a, a, a black man because it fits into their conspiracy. Yeah. And that is just like, I mean, that is now for the next hundred and thirty three days, hundred and thirty three days until the election, we are going to be bombarded with this. Yeah, bombarded with it. Yeah. And and one last thing I want to mention around this is. Um, what a low opinion one must have to think that a person who is a peaceful protester becomes somebody who's going to break windows purely because there happened to be bricks available to do it. Right. Like, I was going to be a peaceful marcher and do nothing at all, and it would be fine. Oh, but there's bricks here. Cool, I'm going to go smash the windows. Like, I don't know what to do with now, this brick. To be fair to the people who are on the conspiracy side, can I imagine a white supremacist thinking that black people, if only they had bricks, would smash windows. Yes. But it's not a thing. No, not a thing. All right. So Chaz, that, that guy we know from the 80s. Yeah, Chaz and Tad. So yeah, so Capitol Hill, Autonomous Zone in Seattle. Look, it's, a, it's an area about six blocks that um, includes a police precinct that's been kind of shut down for now or abandoned. I don't know what to call it. Yeah, I think abandoned um, but, is the right term. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's, it's under the control of the, the protesters-ish. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting to see. And, and I think to bring it up, connecting it to the last thing, the reporting on this has been really interesting from the, you know, the mayor pulled the police out to de-escalate and said like, look, you guys kind of want that space, that's fine, I guess. Let people in and out, make sure services get through, which evidently has been happening. Um, and, you know, we're respecting your right to protest in a pretty intrusive way. Um, if you look at it from the Fox News standpoint, Antifa now has a foothold in Seattle. And they've been photoshopping. There's a picture from Getty Images of a guy who was armed, which Fox News should be okay with because it's an open carry state, right? He's armed, he's standing outside there. And then they took that dude and photoshopped him in to like 20 different pictures. Yeah. Like, look at this guy. He's, he's I don't know, standing outside of a, uh, an old Navy because somebody was stealing their backpack. Like, they just, they put him in like six places. And I mean, normally, Fox News is photoshopping in black people to their corporate photos to show that they're diverse. But in this case, <laughs> I think the first yeah. time they've ever photoshopped a white guy into things, it's unbelievable. It is, it's, it's just- it's, it's it's tragically believable is the problem. It's tragically believable. Yeah. And um, not even good Photoshop. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't know a lot about what's going on there specifically, but like, it, it overall gives me a vibe of like Occupy Wall Street. Like we're going to take yeah. this space and we're going to hold this space and just to sort of to make our point and, you know, well, and we'll see what happens with it. Um, it occurs to me that this gets into a certain person that we have not mentioned, I think, at all during this entire segment. And I kind of want to not mention that person because Good. I feel like we've we've not talked about him up to now. And so I think I like to just keep it that way. So. 
You know who I'm talking about, so let's not mention it. Yeah, let's not mention it. Can we talk about the coronavirus? Because that's- I think, I think actually what we need to talk about is beer because I need to go get one. Because <laughs> I have consumed my town musicians. Uh, so I was gonna... like this part of the live broadcast where you go get another beer and I talk to the people for a couple minutes. Well, it certainly has been a weird couple weeks and anybody who's watching, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, if you have uh, voices that, you know, we think we should be referring to people, people to, uh, please put them in the comments, uh, send them to us, tweet them at us. Um, really happy to, to share those things. You know, any little bit that we can do, I think is, is important. Um, I said it before and I think it, you know, it has to be everybody uh, to, to really make change stick and make change last. Um, it has to be the entire, the entire community that comes together to make sure that everybody knows that what's actually important. Um, it's easy to get lost with all the other things going on. But there's Steve, he's got another black and white can. Beer for tacos. Beer for tacos, presumably, is going to be the Mexican lager brewed by Off Color Brewery. Welcome back, Steve. Hey. Uh, to Lisa's comment, there is a well-stocked bar about five feet from where I'm sitting right now. So, but I keep beer upstairs right now. So here you go, beer for tacos, beer for tacos. which I'm not having any tacos at the moment. It is nonetheless delicious. But you always should. Okay. So, like, I think it's important to talk about coronavirus for just a little bit. Um, yes. Um, by the way, I'm just going to note, I think this is the first podcast that we've done since the COVID thing started that did not involve coronavirus, like, for the majority of the time. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hey, that's great. I mean, that's great. I was tired of talking about it. But, you know. Hopefully there's going to be better change coming out of the other, the other topics. Well, I mean, um, coronavirus is done, so that's why we don't have to talk about it anymore, right? Well, it depends on what state you're in, right? Uh, that's true. <laughs> so uh, here in Illinois, right, we're talking about going to phase four? Yes. July 1st. I'm like, wait, phase four? I thought we just, you're we just messing around with phase three. So how are you doing? Well, okay, so before we get into what I'm about to ask you. Um, let's cover what the phases are for everybody. So we've got yeah. phase two was uh, pretty much locked down, right? Uh, I forget what phase one is. It was before we, we, like we didn't start any of this until we were already in phase two. Sure. Uh, phase three, um, things like hair salons are open. Um, you can go to restaurants, but only for outdoor seating and spaced out pretty significantly. Um, and you have down. gatherings of up to 10 people. Right. Uh, phase four, you have gatherings up to 50 people. Um, mm -hmm. Restaurants are only able to do table service indoors, but with spacing and, and various protections uh, around that. Um, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other things that are part of that as well that I'm not aware of. But that's the rough outlines. Yeah. And other, you know, every state's different because there's no federal policy. Because why would we want leadership? Yeah. And did you know that uh, Anthony Fauci had not been 
in a briefing for like 62 days. <laughs> it was crazy. Or maybe a slightly smaller number, but eh, they kind of shelved him because um, they had to declare victory. But every state's different. Yes. Uh, numbers oh, and before, now, before we continue on, I want to ask you, like, what phase are you personally in at this point? Uh, yeah, so we're going to stores. Um, okay. I'm not really looking to eat at a restaurant quite yet. Um, maybe outside, yeah. like have a beer outside, I guess. Um, we are we are actually going to hang out with, as soon as we're done, I'm going to hang out with my neighbors. There will be six of us in a backyard, uh, 10 feet apart. Yes, yeah. that's good. And, and we're nervous about it, right? Yeah. And we're like, yeah, that's, well, you know what? I realized that's part of it. Like there's a the restaurant near me that's opened up and I've been walking by there when I go for my walks and they've got their sidewalk set up and it that looks pretty safe. But I'm like, do I like their food enough that I want to have that extra la layer of anxiety to be yeah. out there like that? I'm like, ah, I'm not quite there. What I really do want to do though is have a couple people over where we've got our nice deck, like how people come over, space out a decent amount have some beers, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's like, but we have so far, it's been pretty locked down. Yeah. We're, right now we're trying to figure out how we're going to see our family this summer and what that looks like. Yeah. And that's been a very interesting discussion because it's a, you know, we've, it, it really is teaching my kids how to use the Venn diagram. Well, look here, there, and this part of the family's in phase two and this part of the family's in phase four and this, you know, so. This part of the family is just playing crazy and they're, yeah. you know, looking at everything do? in sight and yes. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> you know, the numbers this week have been really interesting. Illinois leads the country in decreases in cases and deaths. Like, the numbers from Illinois are really great. It's really great. Yes. On the other hand, Arizona and Texas are fighting it out for the worst outcomes. Yeah. And if you start looking at those numbers, you know, hey, we're just open things up. Um, this was a hoax, I guess. They're, those numbers are bad, man. And we're, and, and just to put it into perspective, it's still between 800 and 1,000 people a day are dying. Yeah. There's been no end of the first wave. Yeah. And look, like what we've seen is, yeah. So like what we're seeing is there was, there was every, like everybody who locked down all kind of locked down at about the same time. It was during, in March, right? And yeah. so whether you were in New York or you were in, I don't know what a state is that's more Republican that's, that also locked down. But basically Ohio. like, Ohio. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a good yeah. example. So Ohio yeah. locked down the same time New York did. And everybody was sort of in different points and sort of that curve of like how high the infection rate is and, and all of that. And so what you've seen is New York got hit pretty hard and places like here in Illinois, we got hit somewhat hard but like we're starting to come down the other end of that curve now because we've locked down we had to lock down because everything's yeah. you saw some places close down early but then be like well there's nothing going on we're fine where are we still locked down and now and then they said ah we don't need this in the circle so that's one thing the other thing that i think is actually that may be driving a lot of this is the weather if you think about it in chicago in new york this time of year is the time of year where we want to be outside. And it's the time of year where in Texas and Arizona, you want to be inside where there's air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And so if you combine the way the rules are being changed with 
where people are spending their time, it's going to make things much, much worse in the South because the rules are saying you can be indoors with people and they want to be indoors with people. Whereas here, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. we want to be outside. Like we, like, we don't, I mean, if a restaurant was open right now, I wouldn't want to be inside it anyhow. <laughs> I would be outside. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And I, you know, uh, I think you had some, you had an interesting story about Arizona, which I think kind of. Yeah, I was talking to somebody into... about um, the casinos in Arizona. Um, and so what happened, so they opened up things in Arizona and there's all these rules around how casinos are supposed to operate in, in Arizona. Like, and there's just like space everything apart and they're supposed to have all these like, you know, hand sanitizer and blah, 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 all these rules. Okay, great. Sounds lovely. The problem is that the fine for violating the rules is like $2,000. And the amount of money they make for not following the rules is way more than two thousand dollars. Yeah, it's like two thousand dollars a day, right? Yeah, two thousand dollars a day. I, I yeah, and so, um, so it's in their financial interest to ignore the rules. And on top of that, it's a casino. If you have a gambling addiction, you're going to go to the casino. <laughs> like, and so if it's open, you're going to go. And if it's crowded, you're still going to go because you know you've got to get your fix. And so, you know, and of course you think about like, well, if they're making their choices, whether you think an addicted person is really making a fair choice, separate issue, but if they're making their choice to be there, that's one thing. But the people who yeah. are the staff who inevitably yeah. are put at risk by that is another thing. So, yeah. And I have yeah. friends in Arizona who were getting yelled at on the street for wearing masks. It's yeah. Really, okay. <clears throat> and we know masks work. Yeah, and I've I've been let us let's phrase it as I've been skeptical of masks as an answer, and and really kind of where I've been at was I'm not necessarily saying that you like I'm not saying you shouldn't wear them. What I've been saying is social distancing is really what you should be doing, and then if that doesn't work, you should social distance more. And if that doesn't work, okay, now let's wear a mask. That's kind of been my take on things. Mm. Um, and because we didn't have any real good science about how effective they actually were for coronavirus. We had things about, you know, particles through a given kind of fabric, you know, and it was a lot of like hard to see. What we've seen in the last couple of days, I've seen two different studies that both point to the same conclusion, which is that masks are effective. And the way they got there was by looking at infection rates for different places and seeing, okay, here's a place that has masks, here's a place that doesn't, let's see how they do. Um, and the one I think was most interesting was there was a German study that did this. So it was like all sort of a somewhat similar population and had like one part of Germany that decided they were gonna do masks and another part of Germany that said they weren't. And sure enough, it makes a big difference. Like they were showing a 40% reduction in the infection rate. And the beauty of that is it doesn't, like there don't it doesn't matter like what were the masks involved because they aren't studying that it's just like they said to wear masks and if somebody's wearing a bandana or yeah. somebody's wearing a cotton mask or whatever anywhere it from all comes out the train numbers. to like cyberpunk you know post-apocalyptic doesn't matter right just keeping your breath to yourself yeah and so whatever people were doing it did show a, an effect and and the other study i saw like it was showing like you know new york 
versus other parts of the U.S. and how the infection rates changed. And you could see once masks became a thing in New York, you saw things start to decline more versus other parts of the country. So, uh, yeah, so uh, if you're out and about, um, I think it's still best. Social distancing is still your best bet, but um, you should be wearing a mask. That's pretty much that. Science says. Science says. And look, I know, you know, we had planned on doing a whole thing on the circus. We're going a bit long. Um, (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) And we managed to not talk about. We've had a lot to talk about. Yeah. And I we we haven't talked about that one guy. I know. And I think we, maybe it's good that we don't. And we we put that in a box. We can say that Biden now has the, the delegates to be the nominee. Yes. That's happened. The turnout yes. in Georgia was huge. It was huge. Yes. Um, even though the machines didn't work in any of the minority communities, yeah. they all seemed to work in the white communities, but they didn't work in the minority communities. Still, turnout was huge. Yeah. Uh, Look, I I I, I don't feels want less to, important. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the guy that we haven't talked about, but I we have to talk about this rally insanity. Like, we can't let that go. Because, <laughs> like, it brings... It actually, we have to because it yeah. brings all of this together. It does. It does bring everything together. So, so, so that guy that we haven't <sighs> mentioned his name yet, and we're not going to mention his name. Well, we'll see. Let's see if we can do that. We can just not talk about his name. Yeah, I don't... So there's this guy who happens to be running the country right now. And uh, as part of his sort of starting up his campaign, he is planning to have a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. So Juneteenth, if you're not familiar, and and in perfect honesty, until a few years ago, I didn't really know what Juneteenth yeah, was. Yeah, no, me neither. It was just it is, recently, right? It is a celebration of the end of slavery, which seems like that should be a big deal. Uh, but, you know, but we live in a racist country. Um, so on that day, it's planning to go to whoever he is, is planning to go to Tulsa and have a rally. Right. And, and just to tie to the addiction part, the reason he needs to do it is because he's addicted to those rallies. He's addicted oh, to people yeah. Oh, yeah, chanting yeah. his name. Yes. And so, uh, yeah. And so Tulsa uh, was the site of a brutal massacre of Black people. Um, it was a totally racist, violent and I don't know, like hundreds of people died. Like, and we don't talk about our history classes. Um, if you Google the, you know, uh, is it massacre, Tulsa massacre, I think is probably yeah. the, the keyword you'd look for. Uh, you'll find out yeah. about it. Um, and this was in want, the 20s, yeah. like yeah. June 1st, 1921. Yeah, and basically there was a part of Tulsa that was sort of a black community that was, you know, every, you know, its own thriving community. It was called the- say, Greenwood, the, the Greenwood district. Yeah, well, it was like the Wall black- Street Black, Black Wall, Street. Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. This and they guy, burned it to the ground. Like, right, like they burned right, it to the ground. Right, yeah, they burned it to the ground. Like, it was, yeah, it was bad. Um, so this guy, that whose name we have not mentioned, who is somewhat known to be a racist, is going to go launch his campaign there. I will say, though, he's not the first Republican candidate for the presidency to go give a speech in a place that is a has a questionable racial history, because uh, Reagan did that, too, um, when he started his campaign. So, 
but it's but other interesting things about that. So first, it was scheduled for the Juneteenth, and then I would say in a stunning display of almost humanity, they moved it to the twentieth. Um, if you, you know, sign up online, okay. you have to sign a waiver that says you're not going to sue yes. the campaign when you get COVID nineteen. Yes, that ties us all together. And it's being the speech I heard is being written by Stephen Miller. Yeah. So you know, here's the thing about it: if if you were, I'm going to unify the country. I'm going to bring us all together. I'm going to heal the nation. I'm going to go to a place that was a site of a of racist violence on a day that commemorates the end of slavery. And I'm going to like just deliver this barn burner speech. It's going to be like, you know, we need to fix racism in this country for good. We need to abolish the police, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You could totally do that. Totally. Stephen Miller is not your speechwriter for that speech. He's not writing that one. <laughs> no, no. We could do all those things, but we're not. That's going to be the right. Stephen Miller be like, right. yeah, we could do these things. But actually, I'm going to recommend more vampirism, uh, more what, you know, just, uh, uh, it's all, it's all bad. It's yeah. all bad. But on a funny note, if you want to hear what that guy has to say and recognize the ridiculousness of it and still have a laugh, look up Sarah Cooper on Twitter. Sarah Cooper. She, she does voice dubs. They're absolutely perfect. They're amazing. They're the best voice dubs you'll ever hear. Um, they've gotten us through, to be honest. There are just some times we're super angry and like, can't, can't listen to that particular idiot anymore. And then Sarah Cooper. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. When we talk next, it will be after that. So we'll know what terrible things Stephen Miller had to say um, through the voice of his public. Yep. Yep, yep. So I think that's that's good enough. There's other stuff. There's the the RNC. We can get into that another time, but I think we yeah. got got things. We got time it. on that one. Biden's yeah. VP pick is another thing to talk about. Um, Wait, we know who it is. Nobody knows who it is. Nobody knows who it is. We'll Joe find knows. out soon, though. Joe knows. Joe knows. <laughs> Thanks right. everybody for sticking yeah. with us. Um, a little Have longer a good... run tonight, but, uh, you know, thanks yeah. for tuning in. Thank you to Lisa, Connie, Melissa. I can't see the rest of this thread. Katie. Donald, Donald making fun of your shirt. Thank you. Yes, Thank yes. You. That is the right call, sir. I see what the you're right doing, call. doctor. I get it. Uh, but thanks, everybody. Yeah. And, uh, Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay socially distant. Wear a mask. Take some time to learn about things that you didn't learn about before. So, sounds good. All right. Take care, everybody.